Okay, we'd like to welcome you to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for 3908. We're going to be continuing today with the avian flu study and the days ahead, how to prepare and what to do. And we're going to pick up here with uh, a slide entitled The Avion Flu Drug and the Rumsfeld Connection. And here I'm looking at a picture of Donald Rumsfeld flashing the Cornudo sign in front of the Pentagon uh, symbol, which is pretty satanically ironic. And um, in this particular slide, it reads, The drug company that created Tamiflu which is being touted as the only effective weapon against the spread of avian flu, has a little publicized link to the Bush administration. Donald Rumsfeld was the company's chairman. Rumsfeld served as the head of Gilead Sciences, Inc. from 1997 until he became Bush's Secretary of Defense in 2001. Gilead licensed the drug to Roche for marketing, and Roche announced Tamiflu's first approval in 1999. So you can see how cozy that whole scenario is. And Tamiflu is, right now, was back in 2006, and is still today, was being touted as the only effective weapon against the spread of the avian flu. Well, we're going to look at that as well. Here's another article from The Independent, and it's entitled, Rumsfeld makes a $5 million killing on the bird flu drug. Now remember, the love of money is the root of all evil, so this should make no, you know, should be no surprise that these types of things are out there. Donald Rumsfeld has made a killing out of the bird flu. The U.S. Defense Secretary has made more than five million in capital gains from selling shares in the biotechnology firm that discovered and developed Tamiflu. So he's made quite a bit of money. The drug being bought in massive amounts by the governments to treat a possible human pandemic of the disease, and the governments are still buying this stuff and they're still stockpiling it. Sales of Tamiflu are reportedly projected to re reach 1.1 billion just for one drug this year. Now that was a couple years ago, so who knows what it is now. But Tamiflu may not be the anti-flu panacea it's been cracked up to be. Fortune magazine reported that recent studies show that Tamiflu may have lost much of its effectiveness against avian flu. Well, it never had any effectiveness against H5N1 avian flu, as we're going to see here. Why am I saying that? Because 8 out of 10 victims in Vietnam dis died of 8 in 10 victims who contracted the H5N1 bird flu, died despite getting Tamiflu. So many, many are becoming highly suspicious of the continued touting of the drug. Now, so let's do the math here. Right now, or at the time, it had a 56% kill rate okay, when this report came out. But in Vietnam, out of 10 people that contracted H5N1 bird flu, out of those 10 victims that all received Tamiflu, 8 out of 10 died. So that means that the kill rate was 80% on the people that received Tamiflu. Well, that's worse than if they had never received anything at all, which was 56%. You understand? Are you kind of doing the math there? It's, it doesn't add up. Why would you want to take something if you're going to have a lower chance of survival? <laughs> doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Now, this is a quote from... Um, Dr. Marsha Angel, who was the Harvard senior medical lecturer and former editor-in-chief of the New England Journal of Medicine. So she, you can't get much more higher credentials than that. Okay, She has a book called The Truth About Drug Companies. It would be a re really good book for you to get. Now, this is coming from somebody that you know, came out of it. You know, Former editor-in-chief of New England Journal of Medicine, which is like one of the most prestigious journals, medical journals there is. 
She's a Harvard senior medical lecturer, a doctor. In her book, The Truth About Drug Companies, she says, in 2002, the combined profits for the 10 Fortune 500, which are like the 500 top countries, or five, 500 companies, okay, in 2002, the combined profits for the 10 Fortune 500 company, Fortune 500 drug companies was 35.9 billion. 35.9 billion. That's their combined profits, not not gross sales, but profits. 35.9 billion. This figure, this 35.9 billion figure is greater than all the other combined profits for all the other 490 Fortune 500 companies put together. So, all the other 490 other companies, when you add all their profits up, it only comes to 33.7 billion. But the top 10 drug companies, just the top 10, come to 35.9 billion. That shows you how much money is at stake and that they're making. And um, much of this also is in the realm of what we would call pharmacia. Okay? Pharmaceuticals, pharmacy. Okay, that's the root word for sorcery in the Bible. Now, I'm not saying that emergency medicine is bad. You do what you have to do to, to save someone's life. But I'm talking about people that are actually addicted to these drugs. All the drugs are controlled poisons. And, and if you don't believe me, just take a whole bottle next time you take your dose. See what happens. I'm not telling you to do that, but I'm just saying, you know it would kill you. Okay? They're all controlled poisons. Every one of them. And when you take something like that in the body, they all produce side effects, because all pharmaceutical agents have side effects. And essentially what you're doing is trying to poison your body into good health. You're treating symptoms, but you're not actually correcting the cause of anything. Okay, now I'm not trying to condemn anybody that's on medications. I'm just trying to state facts here. And just because we've been brainwashed and told us and sold a bill of goods, you know, uh, you don't want to shoot the messenger. But drug companies, that's what they're about. They're, so, they're about reoccurring revenue. Drug companies have absolutely no financial interest in ever developing a cure for anything. Why? Because they are for-profit companies traded on the New York Stock Exchange, and they are there to make the maximum amount of money possible. Well, how do they make the maximum amount of money possible? By perpetuating the very diseases that they say they're treating. Okay? If they develop a cure for cancer, and there's many cures, but if they came out with a medical cure for cancer, then they would only have these patients for a very short period of time, and they couldn't run them through all the chemo and the radiation, and, 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 and what would end up happening is, is they wouldn't continue to, to go down that path. They would lose their reoccurring revenue, because if they develop a cure for something, then the person doesn't, shouldn't need the drug anymore, or whatever they're trying to put, uh, give to them. So, the motivation is reoccurring revenue. And, obviously, there's billions and billions of dollars at stake here. In reference to the pharmaceutical industry, now this is this Dr. Angel, former editor-in-chief of New, you know, New England Journal of Medicine, Harvard graduate, she says, now, the pharmaceutical industry is now primarily a marketing machine, to sell drugs of dubious benefit. Well, if you don't believe that, just turn on the TV. And you can see all these high-dollar high drug commercials they have. Now, what, what's the devil's agenda behind this? Well, the devil's agenda is to create a population of totally um, addicted people to drugs. 
That's what he's trying to do, because he knows that population will be weak and easy to control. Because drugs never, never build you up. Never. You cannot drug your body into good health. It's impossible. They create toxicity in the body. They create side effects, all types of things. And then you become addicted to them. Because they don't help your own body work better. They take over, typically, functions in the body. And when that happens, your own body's systems will tend to shut down whatever that drug is trying to do. Um, for instance, if, if a woman took um, uh, hormone replacement therapy, and um, what ends up happening is, is the body will tend to shut down its own production of those very hormones. Because it's getting all it needs from the drugs. So the body has feedback mechanisms, and the body says, wow, I'm getting all I need, I'm going to shut down. Well, what happens? You become totally dependent on that drug, and with no hope of ever getting off, ever. So she says, Dr. Angel states, primarily a marketing machine to sell drugs of dubious benefit, this industry uses its wealth and power to co-opt every institution that might stand in its way, including the U.S. Congress, the FDA, academic medical centers, and the medical professor profession itself. And they pay huge amounts of money to these politicians. I just saw a statistic yesterday that uh, I think of the Democrats, Hillary's taking more money from the drug companies than anyone else in Obama's second. Is it any wonder they're, you know, they've got more money than anybody else. We just proved that. So, this is evil. This is evil. Okay? Don't get, you know... I'm stating right now, it's evil. This is pharmakia. This is the root word for sorcery. If you look at the occult, and you look at how high-level witches practice their religion, drugs are always involved. Something to alter the mind, particularly mind-altering drugs. Because what does it do? It opens doorways to devils and demons to come in and possess you. I'm not saying all drugs are mind-altering either. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying emergency medicine is a bad thing, but I'm talking about year after year, if you're dependent on drugs, you're going to have to be, be dependent on more and more drugs because all drugs have side effects, so you're going to have to take more drugs to counteract those side effects. And it never ends. Never ends. So besides population reduction, the financial motivations for the globalists are crystal clear. So, hey, this is great. We can create a weak, sick, dumbed-down, population, through drugs, through the media, through all these various things, through poisoning the food supply and the air and the water. We can reduce population. We can create a weak, sickly bunch of sheeple people who will do what we say because a strong, hearty um, population would have much more of a likely chance to resist what we're talking about today. And they can get rich at the same time while they're doing it. It's a pretty good deal for them. Now, this is another article from the Associated Press. F it was entitled, FDA Looks into Pediatric Tamiflu Deaths. Talking about Tamiflu still. Federal health advisors are looking into the deaths of 12 Japanese children who took Tamiflu. Now, these are children that just took Tamiflu and died. An update by the FDA staff also includes reports of 32 neuropsychiatric events associated with Tamiflu. All but one experienced by Japanese patients. These neuropsychiatric events include cases of delirium, hallucinations, convulsions, and encephalitis. So remember what I said, all drugs have side effects. 
Tamiflu has its own set. Well, you're going to have a much more highly, according to what I'm seeing, you're going to have a much more likely chance of dying if you take it. And um, now we have these neuropsychiatric events like delirium, hallucinations, convulsions, and encephalitis. Now, remember, this is from the Associated Press. I'm not making this stuff up. Tamiflu, this is one from Science Daily from London. This is in, uh, from 12.305, and it was entitled, Tamiflu is Useless for Avion Flu. That's what this article was entitled. From Science Daily, medical experts are stating categorically that the Roche pharmaceutical wonder drug Tamiflu is, quote, useless in treating or combating the avian flu virus. Well, now, think, let's do the math here again. If their goal is world depopulation, would they want to give you something when the avian flu happens that's really going to cure it? Not that I can see. What motivation would they have? Remember the Satan comes to kill, to destroy, to steal? Remember that? Well, he hasn't changed. Dr. Nigun Tuan Van of the Center for Tropical Diseases of Hanoi, a Vietnamese doctor with experience in treating avian flu, which is what we don't have a whole lot of over here, but this doctor has experience in treating avian flu, says, she says, Tamiflu had no effect on patients suffering from H5N1 bird flu virus. None. She said, we place no importance on using this drug on our patients. She reportedly told the London Sunday Times. Tamiflu is only meant for treating ordinary type A flu. It was not designed to combat H5N1. End of quote. That's what she says. And she's treated it. This statement comes in the face of a recent announcement by several nations, including Britain and the United States, that, that are stockpiling doses of this drug as a future safeguard against the mutation of the H5N1 virus. Why would they stockpile a drug that has no effect on it? If anything, it has a higher kill rate if you take it. And that's according to their statistics. I'm just reporting this. The Bush administration is reportedly spending several hundred millions of dollars stocking Tamiflu. Is it any wonder? This is an article that came out last year, 82807, and it's entitled The US is under the US is now under United Nations law in a health emergency. This is a real eye opener. This is from World Daily Net. The Security and Prosperity Partnership, also known as SPP, of North American Summit in Canada. Now, this is all related to the North American Union. Okay, The Security Prosperity Partnership is just a part of the North American Union. They had a summit in Canada last August, and they released a plan that establishes the United Nations along with regulations by the World Trade Organization and World Health Organization as supreme over U.S. law during a pandemic. Do you realize the implications of this, what I just read? The United Nations, along with the World Health Organization, but the United Nations as the ruling body, will be supreme over United States law during a pandemic? It's already been drafted. According to the Security and Prosperity Agreement, part of the North American Union that we're going headlong into, And it sets the stage for militarizing the management of the continental health emergencies. The North American plan for avian and pandemic influenza, that's what they call it, was finalized at this SPP summit in Montebello, Quebec, under the International Partnership on Avian and Pandemic Influenza. Bush agreed the United States would work through 
the United Nations system, influenza coordinator, that's David Nabarro, to develop a continental emergency response plan operating through authorities under the World Trade Organization, North American Free Trade Agreement, and the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization. Do you see how the avion flew more than almost any... See, if a terrorist attack happens, this scenario isn't going to be the exact same. But this is categorically stating that if we have some type of pandemic outbreak, we're under United Nations law. Bush has already agreed to this for us. World Daily Net could find no evidence that the Bush administration presented the Influenza Partnership Plan to Congress for oversight or approval. See, he's totally above the law at this point. He's doing whatever he wants to do. The SPP plan gives primacy for avian and pandemic influenza management to plans developed by the World Health Organization, World Trade Organizations, United Nations, and NAFTA directives. Now, I have the link here you can go look at for World Daily Net. I also have the full, if you want to read this full North American plan for avian pandemic influenza at this SPP uh, thing, I give you the full link you can go to. It's an official governmental website. So you can see I'm not making this stuff up. Now, another thing. Project BioShield, um, which can establish medical martial law and forced vaccinations. This is what we're going to talk about next. On July 21, 2004, President Bush signed into law Project BioShield, which is a $5.6 billion law. This was on July 21, 2004. I have a picture here of him doing it, where it says, where he has this little placard in front of him that says, Protecting America. Under Project BioShield, the government can impose mandatory vaccinations on Americans. Mandatory. While no more religious exemption, while simultaneously declaring martial law based on any emergency, real or imagined. Hmm. So, under this Project BioShield, if we have avian flu influenza outbreak, they can impose mandatory vaccinations on Americans and declare martial law based on any emergency, real or imagined. I give you the whitehouse.gov link you can go to to see that this is a real uh, piece of legislation. Now, U.S. Supreme Court Justice Robert Jackson said, it's not the function of, the, of our government to keep the citizen from falling into air. It is the function of the citizen to keep the government from falling into air. But because Americans, for the most part, are so apathetic, that's not happening. Now, the military. this is from the Military Vaccine Resource Directory. I'll give you the website for them. And this goes on to say, the term biofascism describes the merging of the military medical establishment, number two, the FDA and public health bureaucracies, and number three, the pharmaceutical medical cartels, the kind of the merging of all this together. What will American citizens do when and if the... when nurses accompanied by armed police and soldiers come to their door and order them to be vaccinated. Since 9-11, federal and state laws have changed to now allow for this. The American people do not understand that the bioterrorism legislation passed by Congress since 9-11 make the U.S. Patriot Act look tame by comparison. Now what's the solution for this if you're a Christian? Well, I would say fasting and praying, 
preparing, you know, foreseeing the evil, because it's just a matter of time. And the Bible clearly predicted that these types of things were going to happen. Mandatory vaccination under an emergency declaration can be based simply on a potential threat of bioterrorism. Already the Pentagon is demanding that American military anthrax vaccine refusers submit their DNA samples that are to be placed in the FBI's national database of criminals. This is the de facto criminalization of vaccine refusal, and because of the emergency authorities enacted in the 2004 Project BioShield Act, all American civilians can also be subjected to the same erosion of civilian rights. So these, these military anthrax vaccine refusers, their DNA has been placed in a, in a national criminal database because they refuse the vaccines. See, this is, the, this is the stage that they're setting here. And now, because of Project BioShield, same thing can happen to us. Did you know that former President Clinton quietly signed Executive Order 13139 on September 30th, 1999? This order requires military personnel to receive experimental vaccines not approved by the FDA and denies the soldiers the right to refuse or to even be provided with informed consent of what they're receiving. See, if you, go, if you enroll in the military, they own you. They can do whatever they want to you at this point. It denies the soldiers the right to refuse or even be provided with informed consent of what they're receiving? See, what, they're, what they've already done to the military, this is what they're priming us for. The military is kind of like their trial run. Now, the Bible says, let's get back to the Bible, 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Remember, I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God said, call upon me and thee, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? So remember those verses to temper what I'm giving you today. This is why it's very, very important to memorize scripture. Because if you get your Bibles taken away, it may be the only thing you have. It's the scripture you have memorized up in your head. Psalm 18.2 says, The Lord is my rock, and my fortress, and my deliverer. Was this something you might want to be delivered from? The Bible says, you know, pray that you be accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming upon this world. Okay? So, this is something you want to pray that you're accounted worthy to escape. Because God can provide that escape plan. But if you're, you know, just kind of straddling the fence or whatever, if you're a lukewarm Christian, the Bible talks about God's going to vomit you out of his mouth. In Revelation 3, the Laodicean church. So, regardless of if you want to remain apathetic about this particular subject, or about these subjects we get into every week here, you're, there's going to come a point where you're going to have to make a decision. And I'm not holding you to a higher accountability than I would hold myself. Okay, we all are going to be put in this position. We're all going to be tried. The Bible talks about it, that, you know, the, the uh, trial of our faith, which is more precious than gold in the Lord's sight. Okay? Uh, wouldn't it make sense for the apostles and all these martyrs and all these people that have suffered for Christ over the hundreds and hundreds of years for that to all happen to them and for us to think in the day and time we're living in, in the wicked day and time we're living in, to think that we're above all that? 
Okay? And this is why it's important to put yourself in the right mindset now. Because if you don't do it now, when the time comes, your heart is going to fail you for fear. So put it in your mind now. Get yourself prepared mentally now. Get in the Word of God now. Fast and pray now. Before this stuff happens. Because if you wait, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes. Now, does that mean I think I'm Mr. Perfect? And No, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm speaking as much to myself as anyone else. So, again, Psalm 18.2, which is a good one to dwell on, and many of, many of the verses in Psalms are, says, The Lord is my rock, and my fortress, my deliverer. Okay? Remember, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Psalm uh, 3, 5, and 6, these types of things. You, you need to... Um, you need, you need to dwell on those verses. Yeah, I'm sorry, that was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, what I just quoted there. So, it says, My God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. So that's literally how you have to view the Lord. We're coming into a time where you're going to have to view the Lord that way. It's not going to just be theory, you're going to have to practice it. The, the Bible says judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. And then he's going to shake everything that can be shaken. I'm just warning you. I'm, I'm a watchman. I'm just warning you about what's coming. It's not my fault that it's going to happen. But I'm warning you that it is. Okay? And again, the Lord's perfectly capable of delivering you. But if you've been doing all the things that I mentioned as a Christian that we should be doing ahead of time, how much more... Do you think you're going to be prepared to go through what we're going through? What if you've done no preparations at all? Well, you know, how are, how are you going to be prepared for what's coming? Now, going back to the presentation, this is, this is from NORTHCOM, again, uh, the military, military faction of our government. And um, NORTHCOM prepares for possible pandemic. This was released on 1206, U.S. Department of Defense announcement. The United States Northern Command recently hosted representatives from more than 40 international, federal, and state agencies for an exercise designed to determine what governmental actions, including military support, would be necessary in the event of an influenza pandemic in the United States. Notice it said including military support. David Wilkins, a NORTHCOM exercise facilitator, stated, we will be taking guidance and requests from other agencies, such as Department of Homeland Security, via the Secretary of Defense. Now, so much of what you read about this is in regard to the military, because they're going to heavily involve the military in the avian flu. Now, here's another thing. We are, we've already seen through Project Bioshield and these other things that I mentioned, that they can impose martial law from any threat ruler imagine if they have an avian influenza outbreak. Old President Bush can impose martial law. Well, when martial law is imposed, guess what? We don't have any elections. He gets to be a dictator for as long as he can maintain the martial law. And from what I've and from the, the um, reports I've seen, this is exactly going to be his plan. Unless God intervenes, that's what he wants. He doesn't ever want to get out of the presidency. He's already he's already going to be going on eight years now. And if he can turn it into however however many more years, he's going to do it. He's still out of control or above the law right now. You can't put anything past him. So this is something we should be praying about. I'm praying it doesn't happen. 
because he's already a dictator, and if he gets in and imposes martial law through something like avian flu, no elections. He gets to he gets to really be a dictator. Then you think it's bad now? We've seen nothing yet. Now joining this is another side entitled "Now Joining the Bird Flu Summit." Now they've had this bird flu summit every single year, and um, it's a national or a worldwide symposium they have once a year, where all these supposed quote experts from the the avian flu field and the United Nations and the military get together and compare notes. I uh, checked into one this year. It's in Indonesia, I think Bali, Indonesia. It's coming up. Uh, I think this month, March, and the, it's reasonable if you want to go to it. It's only two thousand dollars for a two-day seminar. It's a couple grand, and, and if you want to get the notes, it's only an extra eight hundred dollars to get the notes. So, see, they make it real reasonable and affordable, so anybody could go. And obviously, I'm saying that sarcastically, but um, and I can't imagine what it would cost to fly to Bali, Indonesia, either. But uh, they're, uh, they, they make it pretty tough so that only really the elite can attend. And um, this bird flu summit that we were talking about was in 2006, and it was uh, February 27th and 28th. It was in Washington, D.C. And in this bird flu summit, representatives from Homeland Security, Department of Defense, Northrop Gumman, which is also known as the Battle Management Specialists, the MITRE Corporation, which is the Command, Control, Communications, and Intelligence for the Defense Depart Department of Defense, they were all in attendance. Hmm. Wow. Maybe that should throw up a little bit of a red flag. So this is way more than just bird flu. Okay? The bird flu summit was presented by Newfields. Newfields' objective is, quote, bringing together experts representing all regions of the globe and a variety of industries to share new ideas. This is the goal of Newfields' Homeland and World Security Expo. Homeland and World Security. This is about implementation of Big Brother's next aggressive agenda. Okay, and I give you all the links you can go to here where you can explore this further. Now, this is a, um, I'm going to be reading you an excerpt from Dr. Sherry Tenpenny's special report on the Bird Flu Summit. Now, she actually went. She's, she's a good um, doctor that actually went to the Bird Flu Summit to observe. At the summit, UN Senior Coordinator for Avion Human Influenza and Special Representative to the World Health Organization, Director General David Nabarro, it's the same guy I've been talking about, David Nabarro repeatedly used confirmatory language regarding the arrival of the pandemic. At one point, he commented that systems need to be put in place so that they can be readily activated when the pandemic starts. Without hesitation, Nabar repeated, note that I said when, not if, the pandemic arrives. That's a really strong statement coming from an insider from the United Nations and the World Health Organization. See, it's, to him it's a foregone conclusion. He said when the pandemic arrives. It's not a matter of if, but when. So she says, that's a really strong statement coming from an insider, the main insider, from the UN and the WHO. Now, remember, I said the Illuminati always telegraphs their punches. Well, they've been telegraphing this one for a while, and they've put so much effort into this. I do just do not believe that they're just going to, you know, let this go without implementing it at some point. At the risk of sounding overly suspicious, it sounds like the outcome has been predetermined. 
That's what Dr. Sherry Tenpenny said. And there's a link here you can go to explore that further. Now let it also be noted that David Navarro is also the World Health Organization's Executive Director for Sustainable Development. Remember what I said about the word sustainable? When you see that word in New World Order jargon, it means depopulation. See, the world can't sustain the current levels of population, so we have to depopulate Mother Earth so she's happy again. That's how they look at it. It's called Mother Goddess Worship. Now the Bible says in Psalm 34, 7, that the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and deliver them. Well, I don't fear God. He's just a God of love. That's what my, my, my lukewarm, wishy-washy pastor told me. Well, you know, God's also a God of judgment. There's balance. Remember? God hates and abhors unjust scales and balances. Well, the Bible says the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. So fear of God is something that if you don't have, you should be praying for it. And then it says, and delivereth them. The Bible also talks about that, that those that have considered the poor and helped the poor, God will also deliver them. So there's, there's promises in the Bible that you should be paying attention to in regard to, the, to these types of things. So the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and deliver them. Okay? So that sounds pretty good to me, especially in light of what we've just read. Okay? So what I'm trying to do is present the problem and then the solution. Because the solution is the Lord Jesus Christ through the Word of God. Psalm 91, 4-6 He, meaning God, shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. See, we're talking about a lot of tear here. And, and the arrow that flies by day. Then it says, Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Well, I would say that pretty much describes possible scenario. But notice it said, We're not going to be afraid, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness. We're talking about pestilence today. Bird flu, avian flu, influenza would be considered pestilence in the Bible. And we know in the book of Revelation, there's going to be pestilence. The four horsemen of the apocalypse. Okay, in regard to uh, that scenario. So, um, just something to think about there. Now, Dr. Joseph M. Goebbels, who was Hitler's propaganda minister, said, The lie can be maintained only for such time as the state can shield the people from the political, economic, and or military consequences of the lie. See, the, the state is responsible for shielding the people from the lie, is what he's saying here. It thus becomes vitally important for the state, meaning the government, to use all of its powers to repress dissent. For the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie. It's true. And thus, by extension, the truth becomes the greatest enemy of the state. Well, that's what we're talking about today here. I mean, what I'm doing is very dangerous. Presenting this information. So I would ask you to pray for me too. Um, that I'm able to complete my mission. Whatever the Lord may have for me. This is entitled from the Washington Post. Flu, flu plan counts on public cooperation. The federal government unveiled a massive pandemic influenza plan. That would fight an outbreak with tools. Including surveillance of air travelers. Rationing of antiviral drugs. Imposing community-wide snow days to keep people at home. That's when you see that word snow days. 
you stay at home. In other words, it's like a home quarantine type deal. And aggressively controlling rumors to prevent panic. See, if when this goes down, information like mine will most likely be aggressively shut down and, and repressed. Because they're going to try to aggressively control rumors to prevent panic, sure. So that's why I want to do this now, because if I wait until this is upon us, it'll be too late. The bird flu pandemic, this is another article from The Guardian. It's entitled, Bird Flu Pandemic May Force Countries to Shut Down, says UN official. David Nabarro again said yesterday that there was a danger of panic countries closing their borders withdrawing their diplomats, and operating in general lockdown as soon as the disease began to spread. Well, we've already looked at that. Yes, that's that will happen. And in America, martial law will be imposed. Um, New York Times. This is from 10805. This says, Bush plan shows the U.S. is not ready for the deadly flu. A 381-page plan developed by the Bush administration to deal with a possible outbreak of pandemic flu specify specific ways that local and state governments, hospitals, and healthcare workers should prepare for an eventual pandemic by, for instance, drafting legal documents now that would justify quarantining thousands and using the military to enforce it. Again, what I'm trying to do is give you a lot of confirmation. The Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses a thing is established. Well, I'm trying to give you, you know, Scads of witnesses, not just two or three. This plan that we just mentioned details the responsibilities of top health officials in each phase of a spreading pandemic. Starting with planning and surveillance efforts and ending with the coordination with the Department of, of Defense. Remember, this is surveillance. Big Brother. It's going to be coordinated with the Department of Defense. Now, we've also know, based on the other article, the other research that I read you, that the United Nations is actually going to have supreme ownership over this whole event in the United States. And people, you know, people will go along with it, because they'll be so desperate when they see people start dropping dead, they'll, they'll do whatever they have to. To save their own skin. Sad part about it is they're not really saving their own skin. They're just taking one more step to hell. On February 1st, 2006, in Nashville, Tennessee, President Bush was quoted saying, we've got to have more detention space. That was from PRN Newswire in Washington. Detention space, and I mean prison camps. And KBR, which is which is a subsidiary of Halliburton, is more than willing to accommodate, as KBR has been awarded a $385 million homeland security contract to build U.S. detention centers. That was from MarketWatch, 1-2406, that quote. Now, Dick Cheney was the CEO of Halliburton, and um, KBR is, is a subsidiary of Halliburton. So see how nice and cozy we talked about Rumsfeld, we talked about Cheney, Bush and how they have, you know, they're, they're all tied in with the military industrial complex and all the money they're making and, and, you know, that they were oil men and, you know, it's just so demonic. It's it's so demonic. And yet the Christians, for the most part in America, thinks that, that George Bush is a born-again Christian. It, it's absolutely pathetic. The Bible says, by their fruit you shall know them. On August 8, 1950, President Harry S. Truman said, once a government is committed to the principle of silencing the voice of opposition, 
it has only one way to go, and that is down the path of increasingly repressive measures until it becomes a source of terror to all of its citizens and creates a country where everyone lives in fear. Well, that's what the media is projecting, too. And all these, these shows that they have on at night about the government was at that one forty eight hours, I think. Uh, not the news one, but there's one that uh, they go into all these cataclysmic scenarios. George Orwell said, the guy that wrote the book in 1984, he said, speaking the truth in times of universal deceit, which is where we're living, is a revolutionary act. Well, I guess that's what we're doing today. Now, let's talk about the fun subject of concentration camps in America. FEMA has activated and is currently staffing its vast network of empty internment camps with armed military personnel. Here I give you a picture of an empty camp uh, with all the barbed wires facing in, in Nashville, on the outskirts of Nashville, Tennessee. Unknown to most Americans, these large federal facilities are strategically positioned across the U.S. landscape to, quote, manage the population in the event of a terrorist attack, a civilian uprising, or a health epidemic, large-scale dissent, or an insurrection against the government. So it could be used for any one of those, but a health epidemic is one of those. Some of these razor-wired facilities, and they could do it under the guise of quarantine. I mean, that most people would go as sheep to the slaughter because they, well, I'm just being quarantined. You know, what, what are you going to do? I've got, I've got to do this type of thing, thing. Some of these razor-wired military facilities have the capacity of detaining a million people. There are over 600-plus concentration camps in the United States. Most of these camps were built in the 1990s. You can reference the following link to verify this point and exactly where these camps are located in every state and the executive orders that will bring this about. I give you the link you can go to to verify it. I give you the second photo here is, I believe, of Fort Dix. That's another one. They've got, they've got a concentration camp there. Um, and then another one in Michigan, too. Many researchers have cited the existence of numerous United Nations railroad cars that have been built by independent contractors in the United States. These cars, and primarily through Gunderson Steel, these cars can hold dozens of prisoners and have on numerous occasions been shown to have 135 human shackles in each car. Um, I've also heard accounts where there's actually guillotines in some of these cars. Um, these would be used by FEMA for prisoner transport to detention centers. Upon the instigation of martial law, FEMA's infamous red and blue list would target millions of Americans marked for priority arrest. These lists would determine the location of your camp and your fate. Now, if they had an avion flu outbreak, they could go and do this totally under the radar. Because, hey, they're rounding up people anyway. You know, they could just say, oh, no, no, you're, you're at high risk for whatever, and you know, take you away. Further evidence of this is on January 14, 2005, a Department of Army document entitled Army Regulation 210-35, which is entitled Installation Civilian Inmate Labor Program, was redrafted in Washington, D.C. by the order of Secretary of the Army, General Peter J. Schoomaker. For a copy of this 34-page article, I give you the link you can go to to uh, read the whole thing. Then there's another uh, piece of legislation entitled Military Police Internment Resettlement Operations. Field Manual 3-19.40 from the headquarters of the Department of Army, Washington, D.C., 8101. And I give you the link to go to for that. 
the infrastructure for incarcerated Americans in the United States has already been set up through governmental actions relating to Operation Cable Splicer, Operation Garden Plot, Rex 84, Field Manual 3-19.40, Military Police Internment Resettlement Operations, and Army Regulation 210-35, Installation Civilian Inmate Labor Program. I'm not making this stuff up. This is their legislation. Globalist Arthur Schlesinger, in the Publications of Foreign Affairs, July-August 1995, said, quote, We are not going to achieve a new world order without paying for it in blood as well as in words and money. Now, 2 Timothy 3, 12 and 13 says, Yea, and all they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. This is what we're talking about. Evil men and seducers growing worse. Bible says all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You know, to be not, you know, amazed at the, at the fiery trial which is to try you as, as though some strange thing happens. But see, if you're in Smiley Joel Osteen's church today, he's not preaching this stuff. In fact, he's never going to preach this stuff. He's just going to preach primrose and roses to you or whatever, though, you know, and, and get you lulled to sleep and thinking nothing bad's ever going to happen. When the Bible is clearly contradictory to that. But see, the Illuminati is depending on these lukewarm churches to do that very thing. Because when this goes down, it will be such a shock. Because the preachers have never prepared their congregations for, for any of this. For the most part. For the most part. I'm not talking all of them. But for the most part, the preachers have not prepared their congregations to face any of this. And they're not going to. They're going to do whatever it takes. They're going to do whatever their 501c3 hireling pastor tells them to do. Now, I'm not saying everybody's a 501c3 all evil. I'm just saying you're caught in a system that's yoked up with an ungodly government. And don't think it's not affecting your church spiritually if you are. Because it has to. Because if the head is sick, the body will be sick. And if you're a 501c3 organization, nonprofit organization, you had to yoke up with the government and the Internal Revenue Service in order to get your right to exist. Because they determine the parameters by which your church runs. I don't even like putting out this information. This, isn't, this, this presentation is not fun for me to do. Um, don't think I'm taking any pleasure in doing this, but... I have to because I've been shown it. The Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. And then if I, as a watchman, see the sword coming and do nothing about it, when the sword comes and takes these people away, their blood will be required at my hands, according to Ezekiel 3 and 33. So, I've got to put this out. The Bible says in Galatians 4.16, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Um, I'm probably, probably made a lot of enemies by you know, maybe putting this out, but, you know, I would rather please God than man. And because so many Christians, most of them pseudo, are trusting in man, they're being led down to hell. Because they're not getting the truth. They're just getting, you know, the God of love. Nothing bad's going to really happen. It's gotten so bad now in the in the dominionist movement, you know, they're they're just believing everything's gonna get better and better, and they're gonna bring in the kingdom. They're gonna make things so holy and righteous that Jesus Christ is just gonna come back without he's just gonna forgo the tribulation. Or the pre trib rapture, people who firmly believe that we're gonna get raptured out of here and we're not gonna suffer anything. 
Now, I'm not going to get in a big theological debate on that. I'm hoping for the best, preparing for the worst. But, that's what we should be doing, no matter what. We should be hoping for the best, preparing for the worst. And praying that you're accounted worthy to escape all these things that are coming upon the earth. And you're not going to be accounted worthy if you're living like the devil. If you're living like a carnal Christian or whatever, it's not going to happen. So, it's either you pay the price now, or you pay it way, way more later. Psalm 56.11 says, In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid of what man can do unto me. Oh, what I was going to say before too, with all these people that have put their trust in all these lukewarm preachers, the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Jeremiah 17.5 So, when you put your trust in a man... The Bible says you're under a curse. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Don't ever put your trust in... Don't, don't be a follower of me. Be a follower of Jesus Christ. Man will fail you. Guaranteed. Man will fail you. Okay? I'm not saying all men are, are, are you know... But just put your trust in the word of the Lord. The King James Bible. Okay? That's what you need to put your trust in. So, a lot of people would say, well, no, this can't happen in America. Well, let's see where it has happened. Here's a letter from a man named Kahuri Nakubra. Uh, this will actually give you a picture of him speaking on C-SPAN. He is with an organization called African World Against Destruction. This is from his letter from 10-20-03. And he says, Greetings I bring you from Uganda. While the Ugandan police are busy hunting for me to question me for my remarks regarding vaccination, the 15th of October was the day of reckoning for the Ugandan Ministry of Health and their partners, the so-called Big Three, the World Health Organization, UNICEF, and USAD. It was the day when their massive immunization campaign was to be implemented, when attendance was expected to be 100%, the government had indeed done all the, had done the unthinkable. They decreed that all parents have to take their children for immunizations regardless of their health status. Remember what I said before about Project BioShield mandatory vaccinations? They've already done it in Africa. They threatened those who would resist immunization with imprisonment, young and old, male and female. The imprisonment here would be the concentration camps, most likely. They're not going to just put you with, with regular population. There'd be too many. They'd have to have some other place. Well, that would be an easy way to weed people out, don't you think? Anybody that's going to protest vaccinations is a potential dissenter. The Minister of National Political, the Minister and National Political Commissar, Crispus Conyega, directed the police to arrest anybody thought to be sabotaging the exercise. The Minister of Health and Army Brigadier and the Minister of Information all directed the police to arrest all the parents or even the children that resisted vaccination. It was vaccination at gunpoint. If you want a full transcript, I give you the link to go to. You can read all of the full thing for yourself. Isn't that sick? But we can, you know, we can have the same thing happen here right now. Everything's in place. This is an article from the Arizona Republic of 11-2202. Now, I found out about this article when I was in Phoenix speaking on that tour that I mentioned. And I had a... Uh, I think it was a lady that came up to me that told me about this. And I went up, while I was on tour, 
and found this article, but it was buried because it was only regionally reported. It wasn't like on national news, and you'll see why. This is from the Arizona Republic. Um, this article states, Officers with assault rifles and paramedics armed with hypodermic needles invaded Mesa's Westwood High School on Thursday. Notice, we have the military presence with assault rifles, and then we have the military personnel with their hypodermic needles. I don't know which one's worse. The men and the women in uniform were part of a day-long drill at the school to see how ready health, emergency, and military systems are to deal with a bioterror attack. The bioterrorism training began at 9 a.m. as paramedics and public health nurses began dishing out tetanus shots to students. Slightly more than 3,000 students from Mesa's six high schools received the free shots. 3,000 students, wow, at gunpoint. Free shots, great. They just told us we needed tetanus shots. Student Tracy Thurit said, while emergency officials routinely conduct mock drills, the opportunity to immunize thousands of students added realism. Well, isn't that special? This time around, um, th that was said by Mary Camilleli, Deputy Chief of the Mesa Fire Department. So, you know, all the local factions of government were participating in this. These are mock drills. Now, Dr. Lancott, who is an MD, who wrote the book, The Medical Mafia, He's an MD. He was quoted saying, vaccination enables the selection of populations to be decimated. And this is what this MD was saying. Selections of populations to be decimated? It facilitates targeted genocide. Hmm, that's a pretty neutral statement, don't you think? It permits one to kill people of a certain race, a certain group, a certain country, and leave the others untouched. In the name of health and well-being, of course... See, that's the thing about this whole scenario we're talking about, the avian flu and vaccinations. It allows the draconian people that are behind this to come out, in many ways, smelling like a rose. Because it's all done in the name of health and well-being. It's for our own benefit. Dr. Kalkernos of the International Vaccine Newsletter, June of 1995 edition, said, was quoted saying, my final conclusion, after 40 years or more in the business of medicine, remember this is another MD, is that the unofficial policy of the World Health Organization, we talked about them earlier, they're, they're integral with this avian flu thing, right? They're working with the United Nations. The unofficial policy of the World Health Organization and the Save the Children's Fund, oh no, not Save the Children, oh yes, but their unofficial policy is well, and other vaccine-promoting organizations. Their policy is one of murder and genocide. Hey, that's what these MDs are saying, not me. I cannot see any other possible explanation. You cannot immunize sick children, malnourished children, and expect to get away with it. You'll kill far more children than would have died from natural infection. End of quote. That's what he thinks about vaccinations. There's two doctors right there. Now, here's another thing most Christians don't know. Were you aware that, well, let's see here, 1, 2, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. I'm counting right here, I'm counting right here 16 different vaccines that are cultivated and cultured from aborted babies. They culture them off aborted infants. Did you know that? I'm not making this up. 
This information right here in this slide, you can go find out in the physician's desk reference. If you've got one, just open it up or go to a library if you want to verify this. Vaccines cultivated from aborted infants. The rubella vaccine, measles and rubella, rubella and mumps, MMR, measles, mumps, rubella, hepatitis A, chickenpox, polio, rabies, and smallpox. You can get all the exact names on the slide presentation if you watch it on the video format. Now, well, how do we know this? Well, if you, opens up, if you open up a physician's desk reference to any one of these, like let's say Miravax is one of them, you go there, you'll notice that it says, um, in regard to the ingredient list, it'll say human diploid cell culture. Human diploid cell culture. What does that mean? Well, that's a, a nice way of saying they cultivated this off an aborted infant. There's three different strains of aborted infant cell lines, they call them. One of them is WI-38, another one's MRC-5, and another one's RA27 forward slash 3. Now let's just look at the last one. What does that stand for? What is RA27 forward slash 3? Well, the R stands for rubella. The A stands for abortus, meaning the aborted baby. The 27 stands for the 27th infant that they cultured the aborted uh, they, they got the culture from, and the three stands for the third tissue sample from the 27th infant. So it was the third tissue sample from the 27th aborted infant that they got the culture that they ultimately made this rubella vaccine from. Now, do you think this could be something where a Christian could be destroyed for lack of knowledge? What if you get this injected into you, like, like everybody's getting pretty much? Do you think you might be bringing a curse on yourself, possibly? I mean that. Well, do you think it, you're, you're putting a blessing on yourself by injecting a substance into your body that's cultured off an aborted baby? Hmm, I don't know. It's something to think about. Talk about being destroyed for lack of knowledge. And Satan loves it, because hardly anybody knows about this. And he's finding ways that he can defile humanity. And... You know, Christians don't know any better, for the most part. Robert McNamara, former president of the World Bank, former Secretary of State in the United States, um, I'm sorry, former Secretary of State in the United States, and a member on the expanded program on immunizations, Robert McNamara, has made some very disturbing remarks. As reported by the French Journal, I can't even pronounce it because I don't speak French, but he was quoted on 10.279 as stating, this is back in 1979, one must take draconian measures of demographic reduction against the will of the population. Hmm, draconian. So one must take, let me just define this, one must take evil measures of demographic of population reduction against the will of the populations. <laughs> Sounds pretty reasonable to me. Why don't you go first, McNamara? Oh, of course, I think he's already dead. But... Then he says, reducing the birth rate has proved to be impossible or insufficient. In other words, it hasn't worked enough. One must, therefore, increase the mortality rate. How? By natural means. Famine and sickness. And, again, what we're talking about today is more the sickness end of it than anything else. U.S. Representative Ron Paul said, when we give the government the power to make medical decisions for us, we, in essence, accept that the state owns our bodies. It's a good point. Here's another Senate bill, 1873, which bans drug and vaccine damage claims. This is from a Dr. Carolyn Dean. She's an MD. 
There is a bill before the U.S. Senate right now called the U.S. Biodefense and Pandemic Vaccine and Drug Development Act of 2005. Senate Bill 1873. It's nicknamed BioShield 2. We already talked about BioShield 1, you know, the medical, you know, martial law, forced vaccination thing that Bush put through. Well, this is nicknamed BioShield 2. That if passed would strip Americans of the right to a trial by jury if harmed by an experimental or licensed drug or vaccine that they are forced to take. How much worse could you possibly, what kind of worse could, you know, you just have no rights whatsoever, in other words. So if you're forced to take this drug, you'll have no, you'll have no right to a trial by jury if harmed by it. <laughs> well, that sounds like a great deal to me. Where do I sign up? And then it says whenever, um, if you're forced to take this, whenever federal health officials declare a public health emergency. The bill establishes Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Agency, BARDA, as the single point of authority within the government for the advanced research and development of drugs and vaccines in response to bioterrorism and the natural disease outbreaks such as avian flu. BARDA will operate in secret, exempt from the Freedom of Information Act and the Federal Advisory Committee Act, ensuring that no evidence of injuries or deaths caused by drugs or vaccines labeled as countermeasures will become public. Again, that sounds, you know, pretty fair. Can't you wait till Jesus Christ comes back? Oh, man. Oh. Here's another article. U.S. government asked court to seal vaccine records. This was from Reuters Health in Washington. Attorneys for the Bush administration asked a federal court on Monday to order that documents on hundreds of cases of autism allegedly caused by childhood vaccines be kept from the public. Now, this has been proven over and over again. There's whole support groups across America of people that have autistic kids that became autistic the day after they had they were vaccinated. I worked for with a guy that um, had two kids that were autistic, and they were autistic the day after they got the vaccinated. Oh, coincidence? We didn't even have autism prior to vaccinations. It wasn't even, you know, there's a lot of diseases we have now that we didn't have prior to vaccinations. All these autoimmune diseases, same thing. Vaccines create autoimmune diseases. Because an autoimmune response is, is a, is a um, response where the body starts to attack itself, typically. And when you inject some foreign witch's brew, like something cultured off an aborted baby, with things like mercury and um, all these other things that they put in it, aluminum, when you put that into the body, it's a very unnatural way to be exposed to something. I mean, even if you got exposed to avian flu and you inhaled it, the body has certain ways that it tries to corn things off and deal with it and identify it. But when you inject it right into the bloodstream, the body has no time to react. That creates this autoimmune response that's created all these autoimmune diseases that we now have. Lupus, you know, all these other particular diseases. Department of Justice lawyers asked a, a special master in the United States Court of Federal Claims to seal the documents, arguing that allowing their automatic disclosure would take away the right of federal agencies to decide when and how the material should be released. Like, they should have that power. Attorneys for the families of hundreds of autistic children charged that the government was trying to keep the information out of the civil courts where the juries might be convinced to award large judgments against the vaccine manufacturers. Well, they want to hold on to as much money as possible, plus they don't want the bad press. The court is currently hearing approximately 1,000 claims brought by families of autistic children. The suit charges that the 
measles, mumps, rubella, MMR vaccine, which is one, which is one of the ones I mentioned, cultured off an aborted baby, which until recently known as a mercury, which until recently included a mercury-containing preservative known as thimerosal. Mercury, deadly stuff. And you know, it makes sense that they want to put that in a vaccine. I mean, yeah, put some real super deadly substance into the vaccine. Some of these vaccines are cultured off. One of the things they culture them off is green Reese's monkey kidneys. That's another thing they do. It is like literally a witch's brew when you get these vaccines injected into your system. There's nothing natural about it. Nothing. I have a whole... And, and email me if you want because I'll send you the whole packet on the vaccination issue. Uh, but this can cause neurological damage. Thimerosal, this mercury uh, supposed preservative, which leads to autism. Not only that, the whole other thing about being cultured off an aborted uh, infant. It's terrible. Here's another article from the Washington Post. The U.S. plan for flu pandemic is revealed. The National Pandemic Influenza Response Plan identifies more than 300 specific tasks for federal agencies, including determining which frontline workers should be the first to be what vaccinated. Oh, good, we're going to have the frontline workers being vaccinated first. They'll probably be the sickest ones. The Treasury Department is poised to sign agreements with other nations to produce currency if the U.S. mints cannot operate. That's how much they're, they're taking this seriously. To keep the 1.8 million federal workers healthy and productive through a pandemic, the Bush administration would tap into its secure stash of medications. Tamiflu? Oh, we've seen how good that stuff is. And cancel large gatherings. National Guard troops would be dispatched to cities facing possible insurrections. Hmm, sounds like we have the military presence, as always they want to mention that. That was said by Jeffrey Runge, a chief medical officer at the Department of Homeland Security and the Department of Veteran Affairs, has developed a drive-through medical exam to quickly assess patients who suspect they have been infected. So you got a drive-through medical exam um, coordinated by the Department of Homeland Security and Department of Veteran Affairs. They show this picture here. I show a picture on the slide of this guy going through a drive-through and he's getting vaccinated, driving through be a good way to mass vaccinate people real quick, you know. And, and he's sitting there smiling, this lady's hitting him in the shoulder. Unbelievable. Barbara Lowe Fisher, co-founder of the National Vaccine Information Center, said if the state can track, tag, track down, and force citizens against their will to be injected with biologicals of unknown toxicity today, there will be no limit on what individual freedoms the state can take away in the name of the greater good tomorrow. Just a factual statement. She's the co-founder of the National Vaccine Information Center. And to take proactive steps against the Senate bill I mentioned, 1873, she's got a, a website. It's 909shot.com. 909shot.com. You might want to check that out, too. G8 nations shape plan to fight diseases. This is from the Wall Street Journal, page A8. The U.S., and its wealthy allies are moving to approve a first-of-its-kind plan to encourage pharmaceutical companies to develop vaccines for diseases that affect countries too poor to afford them. Oh, isn't that special? Under an advanced marketing commitment plan, the G8 nations would promise to subsidize the purchase of new vaccines for between $800 million and $6 billion. 
Well, what about those MDs that said the only reason they're doing this is because of targeted genocide? Well, didn't we say at the very, very start their goal is to, to reduce world population to 500 million? Well, you know, we're created in God's image, right? That's what the Bible says. Okay, let us make man in our image. Remember Genesis 1? Okay, well, mankind reminds Satan of God. So that's why he's trying to defile it and destroy it. He, wants, he knows he's going to go into the lake of fire. And he wants to take as many people as possible with him. That's the bottom line. If you really want to boil all this down, what's the motivation? That's it. Here's another one from the Union Leaders News Service. Flu shot blitz planned. Three New Hampshire communities are making plans to give out a single blast of 5,000 flu shots on 11-19-05. As part of a drill to prepare for widespread epidemic. The ability, the effort is being undertaken to test the state's ability to render emergency mass inoculations as the threat of avian flu unfolds. The drill was, will test the ability of health officials to issue mass vaccinations and the judicial issues involving quarantine and isolation. So, again, this is a, this is a mass drill to issue mass inoculations. They've got to have some practice sometime. And the judicial issues involving quarantines and isolations. Guess who's sponsoring it? The U.S. Department of Homeland Security is paying for the flu shots. How benevolent of them. Now, the Council on Foreign Relations, in its recent journal report, says if a pandemic, if a global flu pandemic ensues, in short order, the global economy would shut down. Vaccines would have no impact on the course of the virus in the first months and would likely play an extremely limited role worldwide during the following 12 to 18 months of the pandemic. Did you hear what he just said? That's really important. Vaccines would have no impact on the course of the virus in the first months, and would likely play an extremely limited role worldwide during the following 12 to 18 months. I'm going to go ahead and end part two here. We're going to pick up with part three. I'm going to mention this again and expound on that a little bit further. May the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you. We'll go to part three now.